Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got John Taylor. He's a senior vice president and chief marketing officer at AMD. AMD is a global semiconductor company, and we talk about the tremendous growth that they've seen from 2017 to 2021, going from somewhere in the neighborhood of $5 billion in revenue to over $20 billion. And with the recent acquisition and merger of Xilinx, they're looking to expand their growth in markets quite considerably. And on the show today, we talk about that growth, how the growth has led to the changes in marketing that John is seeing, as well as he's overseeing the transformation of digital marketing. We talk about what makes a successful CMO and his new brand platform, Together We Advance. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Taylor. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. I am a big fan of yours and big fan of the podcast. So this is really fun for me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I love love when listeners are come, come onto the show as well. So this is this will be a special treat for me. To start off, I hear you. You love being outdoors, but it is a true labor of love. 
Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> you could uh, you could say that. So yeah, I think I love the outdoor activities really to compensate for the fact that you know we've got this always on digital world. Plus, in prior years, I really really traveled heavily in my different roles. So think in terms of. 16-hour nonstop flights to Beijing and, and Taipei multiple times a quarter. And so between the digital and the airplanes, you just crave being outdoors. So I, And I've lived in Austin, Texas, lived in Washington State for all my adult life. So both places offer so much in terms of you know scenic, fun, cool things to do outside. I was a soccer player for many years, then, then a coach. Really, really loved the game. I think I loved coaching more than playing, but when I couldn't play anymore, I then took up running and have a really nice collection of you know 10K and half marathon t-shirts, which uh, I can never bring myself to, to part with. But then at the advice of my doctor, I moved on to mountain biking because it's less, uh, less jarring, you know, time goes by. Really the mountain biking, but then I managed to have a couple of uh, not so great wrecks doing like trying to use dry creek beds around Austin, like uh, as ramps. And so now I'm really focused on, you know, hiking with my wife around Austin here in the hill country, a lot fewer injuries, uh, really great conversation. So yeah, that's, that's what my outdoor activity is, uh, is looking like today. I love it. Uh, yeah. Walking is hopefully safer for you. <laughs> so that'd be good. <laughs> Vigorously walking, Alan. Vigorous. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Vigorous. Yes. Vigorous. Yes. Well, yeah. hiking, hiking. Yes. Hiking. Yes. That's yes. right. Hiking. That's yeah. right. Okay. All it's right. It's very well, hilly here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's beautiful. I, I, um, I spent a summer in Austin and, uh, the hills just kind of to the West is, is really beautiful. And, uh, obviously Lake Travis too. It's uh, crystal clear. That's right. Actually. Yeah. And I, I live out to the West side of Austin and just love it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about your career and uh, you're now the chief marketing officer, AMD. How, where did you get your start and, and how'd you end up in the role that you're at? Yeah. Like, like a lot of your guests, I was not born knowing that I wanted to be a technology CMO. Um, but I, I do absolutely love it. My, my first job out of college, I was in IT at an NGO, but I really loved writing, really loved creativity, and it had me getting involved. Um, this was sort of in the early days of desktop publishing or creative, you know, using uh, PCs and Macs to do creative design. So I was really gravitating to that. And that started to speak to a potential career path for me that I enjoyed more than looking at, at databases. Wanted to keep career progression going, had a young family, keep the paychecks going. So uh, I took a job at an energy company where I learned a lot about crisis communications, learned a lot about employee communications in service of culture building. Obviously, you know, energy companies think nuclear plants, think the importance of safety, doing things right. And that energy experience then landed me my first agency role where things really accelerated for me in, in terms of uh, learning. I went to work for uh, the amazing Helen Vollmer in Houston. There, you know, she and her team taught me about marketing communication, sales enablement, using PR as a brand builder, which was a sort of a big light bulb for me. I worked on accounts like Pennzoil, Quaker State, Time Warner, some others. I think I missed some of the technology. And then I went to another agency in Seattle, it was then called Wagner Edstrom, and then went to Austin with Wagner Edstrom. Learned so much about the power of earned media, narrative, storytelling. Um, this was all around kind of the, the computing and internet technology that was really changing the world, you know, at the start of the 2000s. Worked on Microsoft, worked on some of the early forerunners of what we would think of as, as AI today. And while I was there, we received an RFP from AMD where I, I work today, and it was to help them launch a processor that was incredibly important for the future of the company. And I found myself 
kind of falling in love with AMD, its role in the industry, its technology. And before long, I was spending more time thinking about AMD's business than I was thinking about my agency role. So I joined AMD and then I could just sort of shorten the next 10 years to um, just every year or two, I got new opportunities, more development, product marketing, communications, corporate marketing, the best of, of doing technology product launches. And all of that really brought me to, to where I am today in terms of uh, my role as CMO, which I've had since 2017. It's interesting to me, like when you describe your first job and then kind of the, the a little bit of the pivot towards communications, you talk about working in IT and, and then being more interested in the graphic design and communications component. I mean, that kind of is at the root of it probably when you joined AMD focused on computing and graphics, right? Like that's kind of an interesting circle of events. <laughs> it is. I think it is important. And, you know, I would you know, recommend to anyone that they're spending time really understanding the business that they're in, how they make money, the challenges of, of, of bringing the product to market, how your most discriminating customers and end users think about your, your technology. So I think, yeah, some of those formative experiences really helped me uh, be ready to be contribute uh, in a wide range of roles at AMD, and then and then try to uh, you know, leverage all of that as CMO. That's awesome. Well, tell us about the business. AMD has seen some dramatic growth. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what's what's driving the growth for the company? Yeah, we we actually have called it hyper growth. So I would say pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> yeah, 20, 2019 to twenty twenty one, the the revenue grew at um, I think it was a fifty six percent CAGR, and so that's pretty remarkable for a company, you know, for a Fortune five hundred semiconductor technology company. Uh, but it's an incredibly exciting time. There is so much demand for high performance computing. And if you think about, um, you know, probably some of our technologies being used right now while you and I talk, Alan, or if we were talking, you know, over a video conference, right, we'd be using AMD technology in the cloud to support that. So all of these different ways that we work and, and collaborate and connect with one another, our technology is providing an, an underpinning for that. But yeah, it's it's brought a lot of change with it. So I, when I became CMO in 2017, more than 90% of the company's revenues were from PCs and uh, game consoles. AMD partners very closely with both Sony and Microsoft at that time, just Sony and Microsoft on on, on game consoles. And um, today, you know, we're much closer to, let's say, a 50-50 balance between those types of consumer productivity and gaming devices with where we've been so focused strategically, which is growing growing our capabilities in our footprint in the data center and what we call embedded computing markets. So think in terms of, you know, automotive, medical devices, et cetera. So, you know, we've been on a journey as a marketing organization to also grow from being a very consumer, gamer, technology enthusiast centric to having a very wide array of, of audiences that we're working with and that we're focused on that takes us into you know, data center architects, enterprise IT decision makers, CTOs of some of those, those very innovative brands out there. So we just, as part of enabling that, we completed the biggest acquisition in the history of semiconductors, which is a company called Xilinx, who is focused on adaptive computing. So this is the idea. So for example, their technology is on the, the Mars rovers. And so with traditional types of processors, it's difficult to reprogram them to get more performance or teach them to do something new. An adaptive processor makes it possible to upload a new set of capabilities to a car, to a Mars rover, et cetera. So very important complementary element to our, our, 
our portfolio. And now that growth where we had added data center, we added IT decision makers, you know, this focus on working with uh, the top automakers, the top aerospace companies, the top uh, 5G wireless providers and more. So uh, it just makes it really, really interesting to be a, a marketer at AMD. No, that's, I mean, it, it's fascinating because to your point, like, I mean, I don't think anybody, I don't think unless you're hiking outdoors and even if you're doing that, <laughs> your wearable device is probably communicating with some semiconductor somewhere. <laughs> I mean, life in general is is powered by semiconductors today, it feels like. It's funny, Alan, even with your example. So when I go on walks, I am throwing off data to the cloud because I'm using, you know, the fitness app and it's tracking how much elevation changed and how I'm respirating and 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 all of that. So yes, we're we're creating data that's being that's being processed even when we're outside hiking. At least some of us. Yeah. Well, and I, I haven't followed, I mean, I've followed like the consumer end of of things, but I had not heard about adaptive computing that and the ability to you know, modify after the fact, if you will, like how how the processing takes place. That's fascinating. I may have to read up a, a little bit more about that so I can understand it. But it sounds extraordinarily helpful, especially in the application of the Mars rover where you, know, you start out with one idea and then I'm sure hopefully that thing lasts forever and you want to uh want to change what what it can what it's capable of doing it is or if you think about some new um, approach to to safety that you want to bring to an automobile um, the ability to do a software update to a vehicle and and deliver new capabilities to it without changing out the hardware you know that's where this idea of adaptive uh, computing comes in that's awesome that's awesome Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How, I mean, it's phenomenal growth, hyper growth to use your word. How has the growth changed your approach or, or changed marketing in general and the, and the capabilities that you need to have? Yeah, as the, as the company has grown, we've evolved our marketing alongside it, migrating from what was really a, a product first approach to what's today a much more audience centric and, and brand first approach. Now, we still think about each product launch that we do as we bring you know some new set of capabilities to the world we, we think about it as an opportunity to ad- advance our identity as a leader in technology as a leader in, in performance so we, we like to strive for what we call perfect product launches but we've become much more focused on you know the type of marketing where we're thinking about you know what's our total brand engagement with with a data center architect with a cio with an enterprise it decision maker how are we thinking in terms of what they're looking for from their technology stack what are the considerations that they have you know as a leader how can amd play a role to that end so we've we've really grown from product first to much more audience first and within it how you're building that that trusted brand relationship. Got it. And that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I mean you with that much growth, I mean you have to stay close 
to the end customer audience, like you just described, like the CIO, et cetera. And you've got a lot of different channels to market as well and partners in the process. How do you think about that complexity, if you will, like your your go-to-market matrix, if you will, must be pretty complex, I would think. It is. We One of the great things about being a marketer at AMD is you go from talking to gamers and enthusiasts where you literally have millions of people who give you feedback and support and important you know, criticism of your brand on a daily basis to other audiences who certainly don't get out of bed every morning and think about processors. So you, know, you have the ability to, to to build a career, apply sort of your your learnings in your in your marketing journey to a wide set of audiences at, at AMD. And, and part of what we've needed to do also is to understand the, how do we drive marketing transformation as the brand has become more complex so that what it means to be a marketer at AMD doesn't become unmanageably complex. So we've embarked on a number of initiatives, including how our partners, we, we, we work in an industry where you know we support our partners with market development funds, help them go to market to be successful. It's something that's, that's sort of baked in to, to the computing industry. And so we've been looking for ways to, to use technology to automate the way our partners can plan going to market with us, report on the successes that they've had, for us to be able to go out and understand, hey, how can we scrape the different e-tail sites in the world? How can we scrape the sites of our partners and understand how is our share of voice being brought to bear in the marketplace? How is our share of the virtual shelf looking at any moment in time? So we've been very focused as the complexity of the business and the growth has happened on what are the investments in technology that we can make to make it easier, more insightful, higher impact to be a marketer at AMD. Well, so a lot of growth, highly complex path to market, and you're investing in, in you know capabilities to help make that more measurable and actionable for your partners. That's amazing. How do you think about like the role of CMO and like what do you feel are the makings or ingredients, if you will, of a successful CMO? I think I approach my role focused on balance. And what I mean by that is I'm very focused on the partnership, for example, that I have with our our chief sales officer. We meet and discuss openly the rhythms of the business, the most recent feedback from our customers, any noise that we're hearing between the teams that we want to address, what are our priorities, and and that sense of partnership with our customer-facing organization you know, is incredibly important to me. And, and I, I kind of entered into my role focused on that. But also, I, I spent quite a bit of my time at AMD in our business units. We have a business unit structure. I led product marketing for AMD. So I'd had time to study up on what it means to be a general manager, what it means to run a P&L, how we think about the whole sort of sales cycle where the business unit is is selling in the processor through the sales team and the marketing teams are helping to, to sell it out. So maintaining that balance with... Uh, with the business and the business decision makers, but then also that element back inside the company. What is the role that the CMO plays in reinforcing the brand, celebrating the culture, creating a sense of identity for employees in a mode in which you know we we've literally added you know more than ten thousand people to the company over the last couple of years. So that balance between you know the partnership with sales, the the grounding in the business and the business decision making, and the importance of the culture really is what I think have, I've used to sort of be my compass as, as CMO. And and what I would say it, it certainly helps me know where to prioritize and where to put my energy and where to think about you know where the team's resources need to go. Makes sense. Well, and we talked about 
you know, the marketing transformation that you're underway uh, and have been driving. How are you approaching marketing today? And I know you also have a new brand platform as well. We do. So the way we're approaching it today, I think it's important, as as I mentioned a moment ago, we've been on a journey to become a category leader, technology leader from a place where we were perhaps competing more from a price performance perspective five or six years ago. So our top priority has been building trust for our brand, but but also familiarity with the um, the leadership nature of the brand today, how it's leading in technology. So we've taken a pretty PR forward approach in doing that. You know, as an example, on Reddit, there is a subreddit devoted just to AMD and our brand. And there's one and a half million people on that subreddit talking about our products, our decisions, our support, the experience that we deliver, perhaps speculating on rumors about products that we're still finalizing the definition on. And that's been very important. If you want to build trust for your brand, if you want to build affinity for your brand, one of the things you could do is listen to some of your most discerning customers. And so we feed those conversations every day into the C-suite and product marketers, product managers at AMD. Of course, sometimes it's great to see, hey, the community really thinks you got it right. But sometimes it actually has helped us to change roadmap decisions. Like, you know what, we're going to support this particular computing platform for another year, even though it means we're going to have to make these types of sort of engineering trade-offs, you know, engineering resource trade-offs to get there. So I think that idea of really listening to your community, feeding it in and understanding what your brand means beyond your brand platform, but what it means with, you know, those who use your technology every day and how they experience it. I think that's been really, really powerful for us and, and how we approach marketing. And then, you know, from there, the digital transformation, I think, is is what's critical. And part of what set us on that journey is we were once upon a time primarily partner-led in our marketing, and meaning we were primarily going to market with... Um, OEMs like HP, Lenovo, Dell, or with uh, retailers like uh, Best Buy, Harvey Norman, JD.com. And as the company have, has grown, you know what we've done is incrementally invested in the building of our brand, the building of AMD-led campaigns, and then the, the transformation that, that goes with it, which has enabled us to show and develop sort of uh, the success of these AMD-led Brand efforts, as for example, we move the needle on consideration and, and preference for the brand with, um, you know, with key audiences that we've been focused on. But it's also letting us, through the investments and the the, the digital platforms, the, the, the partner portals that we've put together, to understand where and where not those partner dollars are are working for us. So that's been another major effort that's maybe somewhat unique to AMD. That you know there are other categories that have a, a heavy amount of investment in uh, partner led marketing programs. But it's one where I'm, I'm you know really proud of the progress that we've made. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense, uh, especially given how you how you get to market. Um, through all those partners, I mean, and that Reddit channel, holy cow, like 1.5 million people. That's it's just like a gold mine of information. <laughs> it is, and and I can absolutely say we have changed roadmaps because of that process of, of listening and every day feeding the most active conversations, whether they are comfortable or awkward or celebratory or not, and to the highest levels of the company. And that's one of the ways that I think, you know, we, why we have such, 
I think, high confidence in, in the future of the brand is that focus on, you know, the listening and, and the customer experience. Tell me, you mentioned something at the outset, which is tend to be a little bit more PR forward. Obviously, you got a communications background as well. What is it about the PR that you, you lean into, if you will? Yeah, I think... From the standpoint of with PR, there is the opportunity to, let's say, directly engage the audiences that are really reaching and influencing those who are, who are thinking about your product. The role that the, I'd say up until very recently, you know, the role that the independent third-party technology reviewer played was, could not be underestimated. In other words, if someone said, you know, your product is very high performance, very energy efficient, and the pricing makes sense, that would be a huge win for a computing brand. There are, that is still in place today. There are layers now that I would put sort of loosely under the PR banner, which would include, of course, all of the, the YouTube influencers, Twitch streamers, people where, you know, they've taken, they've taken up the mic, they've taken up the camera, they're sharing their passion for the category. And so, you know, the focus on those influencers, the engagement with them, giving them the opportunity to try the product, being in dialogue with them, listening to them, bringing them into the process. We do, I don't know if there's a fact book that we can check, but I'll, I'll assert that we do the largest product samplings in the semiconductor industry where we literally send in a new generation product launch, like we, we have one upcoming in September, we will send thousands of processors. Now keep in mind, these are four or $500 a pop processors. We'll send thousands of processors out to reviewers around the world. Uh, and, you know, of course, to, to the YouTube influencers, the Twitch streamers, et cetera. So it's, it's just one example, but I think it's core to how we've been able to transition from being a value brand to a leadership brand is all of those independent voices talking to their experiences, you know, directly with the products and their appreciation for for the roadmap to come. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's really smart because like I'm also a fan of like leaning in that direction. I, I, I don't have a PR background, but I would call it like editorial worthy, you know, <laughs> like talk worthy, coverage worthy type of communication and, and approaches because if it is worthy, it's people are going to talk about it. And, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig all day long, but like, you know, if it's not, if you haven't found the essence of why this is important, why people should care, um, which is at the heart of PR, you're missing the boat. And if you're doing it earnestly, it becomes that virtuous cycle that I talked about that your next generation is going to be that much better. Absolutely. Well, you meant, you mentioned a little while ago, you mentioned culture and I'd love to know, like, how are you, how do you approach leadership and organization culture, if you will, given all the people you added? You, I think you even mentioned you, like, you added 10,000 people over the over the growth period. Yeah, it becomes obviously, it, it requires more attention and it becomes more of a challenge when you're at that kind of a growth rate. I think there was a nucleus culture at AMD that, that carried us from, let's call it the, the, all the growth from 2017 through this year that were drawn to the culture. They were drawn to the idea that this was going to be an overachieving, ambitious, determined culture that believes that AMD has a really important role to play in, in driving a faster rate of innovation for all of these important computing technologies that, that we use every day, from, from how we connect to how, how you know, medical research is done. And we didn't find that we needed to codify the culture so much then. 
people, you know, they knew they wanted to be at AMD. They wanted to build their engineering careers, their marketing, their HR, their, their finance careers at AMD. And they were drawn to the idea that they were, you know, part of a company who had a, a purpose that was sort of big and, and impactful in, in the world. You know, as we've now reached roughly 26,000, I think it is, em- employees worldwide, we, we have taken a step back and decided, you know, th- that is a lot of new people coming into the company whose teammates around them might also be new uh, to the company, you know, compounded with, you know, increased hybrid work and, and remote work and the rest. So we are taking more steps to really codify the culture. So, you know, for the first time, we've sort of worked to write down the essence of our culture with it. And so doing, bringing in, you know, uh, 5,000 people from Xilinx, how they thought about their culture, you know, doing surveys, doing studies, understanding, you know, what's the best of both cultures combined, bringing that into the culture statement. But then, yes, once you have that, that's great. But then how do we bring to life how different individual employees or teams of employees are are living that culture and having success as a result of it. So we've brought developed this really cool and very well received campaign where we're really making heroes out of our employees and telling their stories of how they live these different elements of our culture and what impact they're having with their team, with their peers, with their customers. Every quarter we give an award to the team that shows um, we call it the Next 5% Award. And it tells the story of how that team went far beyond what was thought possible, you know, and what they achieved. And and now we wrap that award. We wrap, you know, why that team, you know, had this specific success in the culture. So we're getting much more deliberate about helping people connect behaviors of being collaborative, behaviors of, you know, wanting to push the envelope, behaviors of wanting to value diverse voices of being of being inclusive of being direct of being open all of the elements that let you have a high performing culture that can move fast and, and overachieve you know we're we're taking time with in, internal campaigns to really celebrate that and and that's you know how we want and and hope uh, for it to continue to scale with us well phenomenal work that you guys are doing i mean that i can't say enough and and holy smokes the growth that you guys have seen is a hyper growth <laughs> to use your word again i mean that really does describe it kudos to the organization it's uh, it's kind of amazing what you guys have harnessed and and been able to do over the, the last number of years well and you'd asked me a moment ago about our um new brand platform and i hadn't touched on it but it is grounded in the in the culture so we just launched Together we advance, um, which is this new platform, new new positioning for the company, but it's also a rally cry internally, and it's meant first and foremost as a shorthand version of that of that culture. That, you know, if you think about it, so together can represent the idea of an open, collaborative, inclusive um, environment, but it also you know, the way we like to approach our partnerships. We work with some of the other sort of biggest most important brands in the technology industry. We think we're differentiated in the way we partner. So we wanted we wanted those partners to see themselves in our new brand platform. You know, so for the example, the way AMD and Microsoft through Azure and through Microsoft 365 are, are, are changing the way you work, changing how work gets done. Together we advance. So we like the idea of representing the fact that of the culture, but also the way we approach the industry with the word together. And then advance, yeah, advance is in our name. We're advanced micro devices. Most people know us by by AMD. But the success and the hyper growth is built on changing the rate and pace of innovation in the 
high-performance computing industry. We sort of set aggressive roadmaps and have driven quite a bit of innovation in the way processors are are, are designed and that approach on aggressive rate of architectures. It's changed the rate of performance and performance efficiency for the industry. And so that idea of taking great pride in a role where we're going to advance the rate and pace of the industry because the industry then itself underpins all of these other important arenas that we've talked about, all the frontiers of technology. So you, you bring all of that together and you get, you know, together we advance. And the reaction has just been fantastic from employees. They've been, they've been taking selfies with advertising around the world. Partners have been, you know, taking selfies with it. We're in the process right now of refreshing the campaign. It's been out since June. We're refreshing it. We're going to bring partners to the forefront in, in that story. And I've just been so impressed by how many of our partners are eager to be a part of the campaign and tell the story of how, you know, their innovation with their with their collaboration of AMD is advancing, you know, advancing 5G, advancing medical imaging, advancing food safety. So, you know, we really feel like we've developed a platform that can carry us many years into the future, define our culture and and bring our partners along with us. Yeah. I love when your brand platform both lights up, if you will, the market, but also it gives your employees reason to get even more passionate about what they're doing. And I love the thread, you know, from inside to outside. <laughs> it's amazing. And when you get it to three simple words, that's amazing. You know, together we advance. It's almost brilliant, right? Because you can get the simplicity of it. So that's amazing. It is. And well, uh, I hope it is. I would say I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying that, Alan. I think a good test of it was uh, we had already developed Together We Advance as our proposed brand platform and at the start of 2020. And we hit pause on rolling it out because of the pandemic. And then, you know, we began the process of acquiring Xilinx. So we kept the pause button pressed. And then what we wanted to do was work with the Xilinx team to see could they see themselves in Together We Advance? Could they see their culture? Could they see their technology, their in, their partners? And we spent a little time on it, but essentially we, we got an em- emphatic yes. And that's also when we really knew we had something that we thought could be far more than just a tagline, if you will. And we used it as the theme for day one. So when, when all those 5,000 Xilinx employees joined AMD, they joined AMD on day one, which was uh, February 14th of this year, under the banner of Together We Advance. And then they got to be part of that process just a couple of months later as we then went to the outside world with it and began to tell stories that were a combination of what you might think of as traditional AMD computing markets alongside all of these amazing Xilinx computing markets, adaptive computing markets. And it, it's just working. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's not lost on me that it's February 14th. I can feel the love already, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice. And I'm not sure everyone, We were, a lot of us were in San Jose, Some not maybe everybody was with who they might have wanted to be with that day. But the symbolism of it, of the two companies coming together was, is terrific. You're right. Yeah. That's, that's an extra, extra sprinkles on top of that. that <laughs> that's funny. Well, this is, this has been fun to talk about business and, and what you're doing. You know, one of the things we like to do on the program is also get to know you a little bit better. We know, know your love of outdoors and having to switch activities as, as life has progressed. But my favorite question to ask everyone that comes on the show is uh, what, you know, has been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yeah, I lo- that's a very thought-provoking question. I have been blessed with some incredible 
mentors and role models. Uh, first, I grew up around storytellers. Both my parents are journalists. They also wrote several novels together that they, they published with both their names. My dad, I mean, I grew up with a father who loved making up stories on the fly that featured my sisters and myself. We, we were the protagonists. And then the antagonists were always this group that he called the vicious trolls. So I know vicious trolls takes on a whole new meaning in the in the, in the internet age. But yes, then I think, yeah, the more of a traditional fantasy style troll. But they put that love of story, telling that story in my DNA. Um, they also introduced me to, to computers, like we talked about a moment ago. They worked in newsrooms, so they always were working on, on, on computers, even sort of in the early days of it. They always made sure you know, that I had a computer in my room, which was kind of unusual at the time, and I think has, has helped me. And then another really important mentor for me uh, was the late Pam Edstrom. Um, who I worked for at, at Wagner Edstrom, uh, she taught me so much about the power of the creative process, specifically when it is fully grounded in the business problems that you are trying to solve. She would not start a meeting without saying, what business problem are we trying to solve? You know, but she also made work fun. She made it intellectually challenging, you know, things I hope and want to do with the people around me. And, and she could really uh, command a room. And then if I just think about over the last 10 years, both Lisa Sue, who's the AMD chair and CEO, and, and Ruth Cotter, who's my direct manager today, they've really helped me and the team. We've really set ambitious goals. They've further helped me appreciate the power of a business and its culture kind of moving forward together, like, like we talked about a moment ago. And then having that drive to transform things by just getting them better you know, that much more each time you do it. And I, I think as a result of what they've asked of me and how they've challenged me and my role in our team, I think we're doing our, our best work yet. So, you know, those are some of the things that were really the biggest experiences or, yeah, biggest impressions made on me that have helped me. That's great. Well, if you were starting this journey all over again, what advice would you give to to uh, that younger, younger John coming? Yeah, sometimes the younger versions of us, of ourselves, we lack self-confidence. Maybe we have fear of the unknown. Maybe we struggle with imposter syndrome. When I graduated from college, it was during a recession. And um, I wasn't sure where I would fit in the job market. I didn't know, expect that I'd go out and, and uh, you know, set the world on fire. So you need to believe that you will always have something to contribute. So wherever you start, you know, wherever you are right now with your career, the advice would be to help tackle the big challenges, right? If you hear, oh, we're, we've got this new initiative that's got to solve this, this major challenge, or this next product launch is going to define the future of the company, or we have attrition problem and we need to, we need to look at our culture. We need to look at how we're communicating. You know, raise your hand in those moments. You need to be a part of tackling those big challenges. Volunteer for the tough assignments. And then when you do it, use your voice with your sleeves rolled up working on those big problems. Your perspective is going to become so valuable to those you know, around you, those in your, you know, in, your, in your leadership, those who are your teammates. And then you'll learn more. You'll learn faster. And then your impact and your confidence will just be continuously growing. So that idea of, of you know, taking on those big challenges and having the confidence that you can contribute and have a voice, that would be my advice. Awesome. Is there a topic you think marketers need to be learning more about or potentially you're trying to learn more about yourself? Yeah, you get a, a 
great range of answers to this from your from your guests. You have so many good guests. For, I'll keep it personal for me in terms of something that I think was a was pivotal learning for myself. And it would be get out there and put yourself on the front line of telling your company story, telling your product story, your services story. Do customer roadshows. Volunteer to brief the press. Do retail sales professional training. You'll get to see how the story that you think you have improves how it evolves in your hands over time. You know, I mean, I don't mean just do it once. I mean, do something where you're going to do it, you know, several times, like with a roadshow. It'll sharpen all your communication skills. It'll help you be more compelling with, with your narrative, with your messages, help you learn how to grab attention in a room, read a room, how to hold it, how not to overstay your time. That process of experiencing firsthand the impact of the story that you want to tell is, I think, can be transformative for, um, for people in their marketing and communications careers. I 100% agree with that. And not only that, I think you feed that feedback immediately back in when you, you know, when you, you, you're getting chewed up by the press because it doesn't make sense or something like that. Not that that's necessarily happened to you. I'm sure it has at some point, but like, oh, it's, it's happened. It's happened a lot to me. We, we, yeah, we had yeah. partners in Austin, one of our first big sort of face-to-face sessions just, oh, I'd say about a month ago. And we were talking about, you know, some message that dealt with something probably that was too technology centric. And the partners told us, this is what my customers actually care about. Here's how you need to pivot that message. Wow. That process, that experience is something that people need to get firsthand for themselves. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Well, I, on a personal front, or are there brands or companies or causes that you follow you think other people should take notice of? Yeah. One that's top of mind for me, they, they are an important partner to, to AMD, but I've been in their orbit or their ecosystem for for many, many years, and that's Microsoft. I am really impressed with what Microsoft is doing today. They're very open and very collaborative with their approach, with their ecosystem. They're very ambitious with how they're working to make you know technology be more inclusive, which I, I, I really appreciate. I think um, like AMD, I think that they've really invigorated their pace of in- innovation. And so I would just consider myself a fan and maybe a student of, of Microsoft um, today. And then a subject we're focused on at AMD, maybe more from a cause perspective, but that really matters to me personally is the idea of sustainable computing. So we've talked about the importance of high-performance computing and, and AI, you know, how it's used to, to connect us, but also solve big challenges that we face like climate change and, and disease research. But we can't make things worse, you know, for the world in the process by, you know, burning lots of energy and, and, and driving, you know, to drive up computing performance. So we've put energy efficiency really at the forefront of our product roadmaps, of our corporate goals. It's core to our brand platform. You know, together we advance sustainable computing is, is one of the key elements of the brand platform. And I just think that's so important because the world's reliance on computing technology is, is just going to increase. Yeah, it's exponential, literally. Well, then last question for you. What do you feel like as CMO's largest opportunity or threat to marketers today? I've talked about the investments that we've made in, in digital transformation, but I think it's that paradox between, you know, we as marketers have this continued need to be data-driven, be as absolute as possible in our insights, but, you know, that in contrast with the evolution of data and privacy laws and regulations. So um, it's going to be, of course, a continuously evolving space. You've spent time, you know, with your guests on this, Alan, and, and, and I appreciate that. I'm spending time with my 
with our legal teams, our policy teams, our digital teams, our key partners, you know, working to plan for, for, you know, what's next, how do we need to evolve, you know, thinking about how do we measure what we want from our marketing, but also there's going to be types of data that we're going to have less of going forward. And we know that, but there's going to be other areas where we're going to have more data. So, so what do we want to measure? What's driving impact? I think that idea of this being continuously evolving and commanding, you know, significant attention, I think is, uh, is where I would focus. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it's a, a very dynamic topic right now. And it's, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows what the final answer is going to look like. I think you have to weigh, like my thoughts on it, just at a very high level is that you, you have to way what people want which is you know I, I don't want anything that's going to feel creepy to me right as a human with my also desire that I get personalized messages that that, that matter to me and and how do you balance those two things is yet to be determined <laughs> so but we we want it all right as humans and not just marketers but like as human beings I, I want personalized offers at the right moment at the right time but i also don't want my data all over the place so yeah i don't you know on a personal level i'm even conflicted (laughs) yeah i want those services as a consumer but i also want it to be as frictionless as possible obviously we've put a lot of friction into the system with what consumers you know customers interact with in, in digital technology and that's kind of that that paradox that i've talked about but where we as marketers are so so in pursuit of marketing that's as much as possible grounded in the data and um, you know those two forces it's, it's just fascinating how we'll continue to work through that in the years to come definitely more to come on that topic but John thank you so much for coming on the show congrats on all the all the success the company is having and um, I wish you all the all the more success going forward Alan thank you it has really been a pleasure and um, I'll keep listening and look forward to many future great episodes awesome Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.